0: Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We have the third and final episode of Stretch Projects. Today is all about uh, their impact on our own career. So we're going to talk about a number of projects that we've taken on over the course of our years in TechSales, and we're going to give you some ideas as well as a deliverable of uh, you know projects that you might consider taking on as well. Uh, before we get into it, Bobby, I want to tease a couple of upcoming listeners' choices we have. We always talk about how meaningful it is for us to get feedback from uh, listeners about what they want to hear. We love it, so uh, one upcoming are lessons from a, a job hunt, So we had a listener that was going through a job hunt, uh, going through a layoff process. Um, We came across a great article uh, written by John uh, Van Geest, and he talks about his story. So we're going to break that down in a ton of different um, points. It's great, well-written, great ideas, uh, some things I really learned from it myself. Um, So that will be up next. And then we also have a cell slump. So, if, if you've been in the sales business for a long time, uh, you know that um, whether it's a slump in performance or just a slump in creativity, um, it's tough. It can be tough sometimes. So this is going to be kind of a, a way for you to shake yourself out of that slump and get ready to, uh, to rejoin the world.
1: I think the Texas Rangers need to hear that episode and put more aligned to baseball.
0: Yeah, you know, I really miss baseball, but I'm I'm going to be back in the States before too long, and I cannot wait to get in the rhythm of having the baseball game on in the background in the evening.
1: Well, when you get back, I'll fly up, and we'll uh, go to a Astros-Rangers game together. And, uh, love it. And drink a Miller Lite, since you probably haven't had one of those in about two years.
0: I love it. I'm, I'm completely in. Yeah, I really miss the baseball. It's You just can't get sports – now, like I have the ESPN app. I get all the updates. But when the games start at 1 a.m. at night, you, you can't you can't stay connected but, like you'd want to.
1: But, Brian, the NFL plays that one game every week in London now. Is that not good?
0: <laughs> I know. What happened last month? The uh, Jaguars got uh, arrested or threatened to be arrested here in London. Yeah, I, that was, I didn't was hear fantastic. that news here, but <laughs>
1: I'm sure you saw it. It was
0: all over the front pages here. It was exciting news. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into it uh, today. Uh, is Like I said, it's the final episode for Stretch Projects, their impact on our own career, and ideas for your stretch projects. So, Bobby, I thought we would start by hitting on a few of our own projects, talk about kind of the impact it had. Maybe talk about what went well, what didn't go well, what you could have done better with it. Um, why don't we start with that? Sure. Uh, why don't you take the first one?
1: Okay. So... Um I'll start with a more of a medium-type uh, special assignment that I had. Okay. So I, there was a time where uh, this was at Microsoft. I had a manager, and then I had a general manager. And that general manager... Uh, kind of had a a forecasting goal, uh, a way to consolidate really four managers' forecasts. We had tools. We were at the time actually using Siebel uh, way, way back in the day, pre-even Microsoft CRM, um, and was looking for a way to find a a better way to consolidate it. So they were asking for volunteers to help. Obviously, this was one that I jumped on, uh, and I offered to do it. And my offer wasn't so much building a tool or a spreadsheet, what I might have become known for later on, but it was building a way we could communicate better with our partners and our internal people. So at the end of the day, through a lot of interviewing and questions and what would make life easier, I came up with a naming convention. And I will bet, uh, I would have bet for a few years after I left Microsoft, my naming convention was still being used. But you, you just couldn't come up with a naming convention and uh, throw it over the fence and hope people used it. It had to be one that people had benefit from, that it benefited both internal people, the management team, and the partner community. And it became so simple and so short that we were able to identify the partner involved, the product line involved, the partner account manager responsible for it, and it was probably all less than 30 characters. And then that made everyone's export from Siebel really readable without 400 columns in that spreadsheet Uh, and it, it did exactly what that leader was hoping to do was streamline the forecasting process meaning who's involved who should I be talking to a partner account manager could look at the forecast output in any format and filter based on that naming convention just on the opportunity name field and really cut it down to where it was just that one partner's forecast lots of benefits came from it but it was one of those opportunities where I think I started to boil the ocean and I made it as simple as I could make it. Uh, And it wasn't data driven because a naming convention never will be queryable necessarily, but it really gave all the outputs that the leader was looking for. And I got to run that project.
0: It's a great example. And I think, you know, the risk of a project like this is that you could be seen as too technical. As an example, you brought up in the first episode that, if you continue to take on highly technical projects, then you might get kind of typecasted as someone that is is super technical. I think the way to keep yourself away from that is to, if and this is natural for you, it may not be natural for some people. It, it wasn't very natural for me as, as as a first manager at Microsoft, but is to have a really good executive presence because if you can deliver a project that really is a... a you, you found a technical solution to a business problem. But if you, can, if you can bring that solution to the table with other business leaders, with other managers and managers of managers and vice presidents and regional vice president presidents, but you could have a business conversation about it rather than, hey, I, I built this tool. Don't, you, don't you, do you like this tool? Is this a cool tool? Really the way you presented it was more of, we have a problem in our business. We don't have visibility on the opportunities Who's responsible for those opportunities? What partners are influencing those opportunities? You were helping to solve a, a, a real problem in the business, so maybe they maybe it is, it is a technical solution, but the leaders certainly saw that as, as a as a real solution, not a technical fix.
1: No doubt, and one it was it was probably the most basic fix, and ultimately turned into ways that, that a lot of different managers and GMs looked at it, and then they did start changing some of the fields to to make them more queryable, but Um, to your point about building a big tool, you know, today, I'm sure they, they do build big data cubes and all this stuff to solve problems like that. But my tool was free. It was really just just a dissemination of why we're going to go this way and do it this way and getting the partners bought into the value for them and for us. And it, it didn't take long till everyone's opportunity names looked the same. Um, I had a little bit OCD about when some people wouldn't capitalize all the letters, et cetera, but you know, you got to learn to give a little and get a little, right? No doubt. So
0: one of my first projects um, was building a marketing plan for the region. This is a really simple one. So we talk about different sizes and scopes. This is a very easy project that you could take on. This is one of my first projects at Microsoft and you're probably all aligned to a certain region or a certain team, you know, maybe it's a functional team, maybe it's a it's an industry team. Um, we all, you know, marketing um, wants to be closer to sales. They want to know what what events have impact on the pipeline because they're measured on pipeline, that they can't directly impacts. And and the salespeople want more and better qualified leads and opportunities. What if you were the conduit that connected the sales team to the marketing team, and what if you were that person on the team that had a weekly update with the marketing manager to talk about what, what events would impact the business most, uh, a follow-up and action plan. You know, Marketing people get so frustrated because they hold these big events. The salespeople swore to them would be huge, game-changing marketing events that didn't generate any business or they, the salespeople didn't follow up on the leads. What if you were that conduit uh, between the sales team and the marketing team? And that was one of the first projects I took on is because I felt like there was a little bit of misalignment in what uh, our marketing team for the region was doing compared to what uh, our sales team wanted to accomplish as, uh, as a group. So I, I kind of took it upon myself to uh, work hand-in-hand with that, uh, that marketing person who's, who is still running now big marketing operations at Microsoft.
1: I think that highlights one of the things I didn't know very well early on in my career, Brian was a job or a special project like that gets you so connected with other people that can influence and help you down the road, long-term and short-term to make introductions with other people uh, and can sing your praises in meetings that you're not in. Uh, it's a, it's a good way to think about which special project you might take on uh, to get that extra exposure. So another one that yeah. I did uh, was actually a tool that we built, but it was extremely cost effective because it cost $0 to build it was a lot of time uh, between our close friend Jonathan Schwartz and I. Um, I was sitting in my recliner one night working hard, probably on another special project, and I thought, golly, I'm wasting so much time, there's got to be an easier way. And I asked him if he could write a little bit of a, a what's called a VB script, a Visual Basic script back in those days that would open multiple browsers for me in this new version of IE that was coming out. and. He said, sure. And he sent it back a little double click icon and I double clicked it and it opened those, those pages. And I said, well, could you write it to where I could enter this content? And then it would open up all these tabs. And we did. And we, we continued to expand this tool. We ultimately called it quick access. It was an internal tool that worked on internal websites where you could enter an agreement number and it opened up every tool at Microsoft that an agreement number would be entered into and then pull those pages up. It was a great tool. Lots of people fell in love with it. It was something so simple where we just solved a pain point of re-entering data and did it for the users that we got a lot of accolades. And uh, I think he continued to develop it after I left Microsoft uh, and was in use for many, many years after that. Um, We have a tool called Quick Prep that will look very similar to Quick Access that opens up a lot of tools if uh, you haven't seen that, go to the com and go to our services page and check out Quick Prep. It'll uh, do something very similar when you want to go see a customer if you enter their name and the person you're meeting with. Um, but that tool was something very simple that solved a lot of pro- solved the same problem. And I used to equate it to it took me three minutes to get the data on one agreement because I had to go to five places and enter this data five times. And Quick Access, I could enter it once and click a button it would all open up. I solved that same five minute problem for 60,000 sellers in North America and the business knew I was saving them a fortune in people's time, right? And uh, it wasn't very hard to explain that in my end of year review.
0: It's not at all. And if you um, you want to get a viral project, do a project that saves salespeople time. And that will be a project that goes viral very quickly. Uh, that was I, I remember that project distinctly it was a huge deal at Microsoft um, I, I had a, a, a kind of a medium to big size one that I was a part of I was a first line manager uh, the team was performing well um, so I, you know I kind of had the house in order I had had kind of gone through some change on the team uh, to kind of get the team that I wanted in place and there was this new, process going down internally to restructure um, re, kind of re, what Microsoft called resegmentation at the time. So it's basically, you know, some of these accounts are small accounts. Some of these are medium-sized accounts. Some of these are large accounts. We need to right-size the accounts and get the right team working on it at the right time. Well, I, they, they Microsoft knew that I was, I was good with tools. They knew I knew the systems really well. They knew I knew the territories really well. I'd been a longtime seller <clears throat> at the company at that time. So I spent a lot of time um, at, at corporate in Redmond uh, helping to realign the account segmentation, not just for the region I was responsible for, but for nationally and thinking through um, the the loads that each manager would have and the teams what the teams would look like. Um, and it was an incredible opportunity. I think the what I didn't do a good job of is I kind of, I almost kind of took it for granted in a way, if that makes sense, Bobby. I kind of, I just kind of did the job and I didn't do a good job. I, you know, we talk about kind of having, you know, being a little shy about some things. I was probably pretty shy about that project and I could have done a much better job when it came time for my annual review with my boss to, to talk more about that project and its impact on the culture and, and adjust the business at
1: Microsoft. There's no small task when you say Microsoft and segmentation for sure. Um, yeah. And if I, my memory serves me right, that was shortly after I left. And, and you were you spent quite a bit of time in Redmond uh, on that stuff. And that's something for people to reflect on and think about through our experiences. You know, you, if you're involved in that, get involved in that. Don't be shy and, and timid maybe is a, not the right word. But don't hold back. Go all in. Give it your all. Um, and don't let those opportunities slip by. I had I had one that I'll share that might not have gone perfectly well. Uh, this was pre-Microsoft. I was a regional uh, well, I guess I was a regional services manager. So about I had about 12 consultants that worked for me, all doing daily consulting. They were expected to be billable, almost 95 or 100 um, percent. And we were making some acquisitions. We were trying to figure out we were. I guess headquartered in Houston, the money that was invested was in Houston. So a lot of the things were falling in Houston like that. And uh, I was asked if I wanted to take on a role of kind of connecting all these offices. We we had then acquired seven other branches, um, but we all needed to share a similar infrastructure, similar emails. This was a long time ago. People used to build <laughs> your own email servers, um, share, you know, f- figure out how we were going to share files, all those things. And it was a special project on top of my day job, but what ended up happening for me was I got to meet all the other leaders from all the other companies we acquired. I got to see a lot of pissed off people who had been acquired and weren't really happy about it and wanted to do it their way and not my way. But I got all these experiences, but ultimately we ended up creating a new job from that experience. But what what I say didn't go so well were that completely exposed all my weaknesses. Had that happened many years after getting many more mentors, I think I could have hidden some of those weaknesses. But but I, all that emotion I talked about uh, in the last episode and the things that I, I hadn't been taught to maybe uh, adapt and tailor in front of a different audience maybe didn't work so well, uh, and that feedback rolled back. And I never lost the job, but I can say I got a lot of uh, counsel in that role because of the way – Maybe my attitude was rubbing people the wrong way. So to that mindset, if you are on a special project, know that your weaknesses could be exposed more so, um, and you need to have help along the way, right? Again, be new. Don't act like you know it all. Those people around the country that we acquired, they were pretty good IT people as well, and they had some really good ideas. I should have been more open. I should have been more learning. I should have been inquisitive. I shouldn't have just said it's my way or the highway, which I might have said a few times. But it was a great opportunity and something that you should think about as as you think about special projects. Again, the connectors with other people that are going to impact your career long term. You want those people to be aligned with you and around you while you're working on special projects.
0: There's a great book. uh, I think it's called emotional awareness 2.0. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's it's um, one of the core parts of the book is emotional awareness, self-awareness and you, you hit a good point, Bobby. That you, if you've got a weakness, it's going to get exposed here. That's okay, but if you want to get ahead of it, and you want self awareness is one of those that you probably don't want to be as exposed as the rest. I'd say executive presence is another one that's on that list. So, self awareness, emotional intelligence, executive presence—these are things that you want to have in 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 a relatively good position. Uh, as it relates to uh, taking on these special
1: projects because they will get exposed. And it's not impossible to make that part of your plan when you take on a special project to say, I really want to work on this thing. I want to be pushed to these moments where I'm going to be emotional. I'm going to have a hard time listening to other people's thoughts and ideas and, and warn these people, guide these people, help these people help me, right? That's what these projects are for to take you to the next level, not just to give you more work. Agreed. Um,
0: I think the biggest one I took on is one that I'm in the midst of right now. And um, I, you know, I, I kicked off this, this series with uh, a quote that Mark Twain had about 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones that you did do. And I didn't want to look back and say, what if I had done that? Um, and I think that's the key to all of these special projects. We're going to give you a, a list of, and then we're going to give a deliverable of a number of projects, projects that you can take on. But I, I think the, the key pieces we we've called some out that are on a really large scale and we've called out some that are on a small scale, but these, these are career pivots. These are career inflection points. Um, the, unlike, a great year. A salesperson always could have a great year. Not, you know, not every year. Of course we, we don't, you know, always turn in a 200% of, of number kind of a year. But if you, if you hit 110% and you deliver an amazing uh, stretch project that impacts the business regionally or nationally, um, that will be, that will go much further than delivering 150% of plan, but being completely in a shell on your own. You
1: agree? No doubt. Um, I can say, and, and your project that you're talking about now is your expat assignment in London, right? I mean, you you took a two year yeah. stint to go over there, uh, be an expert, share your expertise with a lot of people, grow that office, grow that grow that grow that part of the business globally. And there's no question that anybody listening that knows you and what impact you've had in the last two years knows you you accomplished that and then some. Um, I, 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 unlike you, uh, continue to wonder today what it would have been like if I would have taken on some of that mobility stuff early on, I wasn't mobile. I chose not to be mobile. I think we just kind of, me and my wife decided we weren't mobile and it was something I really look back on and say, what if, um, what if we would have done what the Evans family did, right? We had the chance to go overseas once and we had the chance to just move to Nashville once and, both of those, neither one of those obviously happened. Uh, and I always kind of wonder what if, so, uh, if you're really not mobile, don't be mobile, but if you have any, any, any little flexibility, give it a shot. It's one I really, really regret.
0: And we're going to, I'm going to wrap up the year with a, with, um, another listener's choice on the expat experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, <clears throat> it's hard. Don't, don't get me wrong. It is a, it is a very difficult uh, stretch project. Um, I, I had dinner with my wife tonight, actually, um, a- ahead of us recording this series. And we were talking about, um, you know, cause this, this is coming to an end for me. I'm moving back to Texas, um, here pretty soon. And we were, we were just kind of laughing and talking about it, uh, over dinner and, and talking about, man, I hope we haven't ruined the kids. You know, it, it's a, it's a scary thing. So, uh, it's it's not one to be taken lightly
1: well if anybody's ever seen any of your facebook posts i doubt you've ruined the kids they they've had a a heck of an experience and and the flip side of that is i always think man what more would my kids have learned had i done either one of those uh and made made a made a short move or made a move sometime just the culture and the different worlds uh, they only have one preview they both lived in the same house for you know their whole life so Kudos to you. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's had its ups and downs, but uh, it, it'll be one you look back on and you'll remember a lot of the ups and probably not so many of the downs.
0: Hopefully so. Hopefully so. That's what they say. All right. So let's, Bobby, let's uh, let's finish up this episode with, um, we're going to highlight a few, um, you know, projects that you might consider taking on. Um this would be if you're uh, most of these are kind of directed towards individual contributors, although they could, you know, it could be more for an M1 as well. And and this will also have a a link on our website. So go to Texel show and you'll find in our show notes, the, uh, the latest deliverable for this as well. So uh, Bobby, I'm going to take the first one and I kind of think of these in a few different categories. um, And you'll see this in the deliverable. Um, This is more around kind of, you know, building competencies for interpersonal skills. So, whether you're trying to be more outgoing, whether you're trying to get that first M1 job, it's it's gonna be about kind of expanding beyond your own uh, your own day job, your own uh, working alone. Uh, so these are gonna kind of be more interpersonal than anything else. Um, and you, you called this one out early on, it's leading a team meeting. That's an easy thing, right? But there's process, there's thought that goes into it. Uh, there's an agenda that the manager has for each one of these meetings. It's no small task, and it's something that you want to um, do a lot of preparation for, because for your manager, it may be second nature for him or her to run this meeting, but they've done it 50 times ahead of time. You've not done it once. So put the effort, put the time into it, and deliver a great team meeting.
1: No doubt. And if anyone ever solves how to run a really effective team meeting, they'll be rich beyond their wildest dreams, because that book would sell millions of copies and. Uh, Every manager would follow it if you could just break the code. Um, So do your prep and be ready. The next one that I'll bring up is another, again, we'll call this one on the smaller scale, but could have career lasting impacts. And that's become a mentor to a new employee. We've all been there. Uh, I I, I used to like to team up the guy who's just two weeks earlier than the next guy or girl on the team because then they don't have to ask me anything because they're asking the the person that went, went through it just two weeks ago how to get it done. Um, it, it, it's a lot of benefit to your manager. It's a lot of benefit to those around that have been there for a long time and don't remember what what that website was that they got their new cell phone hooked up on. So be a mentor to that new employee. It'll, it will go a long way if you have that opportunity.
0: The next one I'll hit on is um, th- this is going to be different for every person that listens to it. But in your contract, you know, you're, when you sign a new customer up for your contract, there's always that fine prints or terms that kind of no one on your team really knows other than maybe a licensing specialist or the, the attorney that's in your office. Or There's always one level deeper that, that everyone kind of agrees we're not going to go that deep. But I would, I would stretch you to say go that deep. Be the person that knows you know, you you, you called it out earlier, Bobby. You read one more white paper than the next guy, and that was really impactful for you as an individual contributor. Be the person that knows just one inch deeper when it comes to contracts,
1: and then share that. We we all have our own expertise, but those that expertise has probably come from those experiences where we've we've done those sorts of things. Um, next on the list would be in my opinion, would be troubleshooting a performance issue. Uh, that, that doesn't have to be people performance. It has to be like technology performance. Or maybe it is people performance. Um, find a problem and then take on the work around solving that problem. That'll benefit the team. That'll benefit your manager. Probably your manager's manager. Gets you a lot of exposure. Um, I, I know everyone listening can pick a problem, uh, whether it be technology-based or people-based or team-based, to go out and solve,
0: and I love this one: uh, delegate two tasks to a peer and ask him or her to delegate two tasks to you. The reason I like this is not because, um, not not because you're you're doing this awkward thing of switching roles or switching jobs, but isn't it interesting to, um, it, Bobby? This happens with us all the time. Like, we'll, you we'll have kind of a general idea that you and I will be talking about, and one of us will say, "Okay, I'll own that." And then we come back to each other a week later and it comes back and it's like, wow, I didn't even think about it that from that perspective. And it's kind of a, it, I don't know, it's just kind of this creative um, approach that someone else takes that you don't think of that I think kind of expands the way you operate.
1: No doubt, no doubt. So a few that would fit in the personal effectiveness bucket, help launch a new product or service. I mean, that is why I'm tied to Excel today because I focused and worked really hard on the Excel 2003 launch. Uh, and it's something that stuck with me all along um, work with someone from another department on a tough issue that would that could be cross group collaboration that could be all kinds of things but it doesn't say take on an easy task uh, and solve it. it it's a tough task you got to get other people involved interview a bunch of people work through it uh, have some candid conversations that's one that really would help you grow as well how about a couple more in that group?
0: How about uh, teaching a seminar or doing a quick video on an unfamiliar talk- topic? So let's say you've got a new product or um, a new uh, update to a product. You know the team doesn't didn't maybe read the internal white papers on it. What if you uh, did the you know did a video and did a quick demo for it, and you made the rest of your team aware for it? Uh, what if you created a customer satisfaction survey? So let's say that you're looking for. Um, uh, references and um, you've got a small group of new customers on a certain product and you wanted to measure what they liked or what they didn't like. Um, uh, so what if you wrote a little quick uh, survey monkey,
1: customer satisfaction survey? I like it. So then some of the bigger ones, we've, we've talked about a lot of the big ones, so we'll just share a few and they're all going to be on the deliverable. If you guys go pull it off our website, but a couple big strategic ideas, spend three days with clients and report back. That, that maybe like a trip report, maybe you do uh, a deep dive as it relates to a particular product. You, you can't find three happy customers. You got to be strategic in who you look for and find there. But if you did that, think of where that report's going to go and who's going to see it. I like it. And then uh,
0: what if you, so we all have um, a deep background in technology. We, we know uh, competitors' products uh, in comparison to ours. What if you wrote up a statement about uh, the strengths and weaknesses of your uh, your product versus a competitor's product Uh, that's something that would be we talked about how do you you know if you want something to go viral do something that helps save salespeople time Um, a a quick paper uh, you know an analysis of a competitor's product versus your own product that thing would get shared a thousand times in your company
1: No doubt. And, and it would probably get a lot of feedback and comments, which would make you even get stronger and better what you did, but you would know the material so well that you would get to go probably do other things related to that topic, um, and and really share it broadly and get a lot of recognition across the board. So with that, not only do we get to wrap up this episode, but we get to wrap up this series. Brian, what are your closing thoughts?
0: You know, I think the key to this, um, I'll kind of close with what we opened with, um, Aside from a top year-to-year performance, there is nothing more critical than, uh, than taking on something that stretches you, that adds value to your organization, and that, uh, that broadens the impact from just your quota attainment and maybe adds a couple percentage points to everyone else's quota attainments um, across the region, across the U.S., across the globe. So look for those opportunities. They can be lasting, um, uh, lasting opportunities for you and your career.
1: Completely agree. Some of them uh, continue to transcend for me. We mentioned it last week, but we're going to give our new social media director an opportunity to share with you guys everything we got going on on the web and all the things we've launched since we've rebranded The Tech Sales Show. Uh, Give her a listen at the end of this episode. And as always, average sucks. Average is the enemy. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.
0: Hi, my name is Emily. I've recently taken over the marketing aspect of Tech Sales Show. If you aren't already, please go follow all our socials, including Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Tech Sales Show. I'd love for you to see everything we are posting as we rebrand. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.